So I'm leaving work last night. I open the door to go to the bus. The way I go to and from work is I take the train. And then when I get off of the train in Penn Station, I usually take my unicycle to work. So it's like a, probably about a mile and a half, maybe a little less. It takes me about four minutes on the unicycle. Other than the one, two, three train, when it skips um, the stops between, I want to say like 60th and 100th, it's the fastest way to get around Manhattan. Cars don't stand a chance. Electric um, dirt bikes are, get close, but only the ones that go faster than me are the Grubhub guys that don't give a shit about the lights. They just book it. So for those four minutes every day, it's a life and death situation for me because on the unicycle, there's not too much protection, right? You're just standing about six inches off of the ground and you're flying at like 25 miles an hour. Usually I don't go that fast, but it goes up to 30. That's the max speed. So I get out of work yesterday and it just rained. So it's like a fresh coat of wetness on the ground. So I'm like, all right, nothing I haven't dealt with before, yada, yada. I take the bus. And then as I'm approaching my bus stop here in Jersey, I hear what sounds like a drum line on the bus roof. And I say, oh shit, it's raining. Sure enough, I get out. It's like torrential downpour. Fuck. All right. So it's like sometimes I think the situations like that, it's just, it, it, this can't be real. Like this can't be real life. This gotta be either a simulation, like people say, like conspiracy theorists, including myself, say that it's a simulation, this isn't real, this can't be base reality. Elon Musk says that there's a really, really slim chance that this is base reality, meaning that this is actually happening to us right now. Because if you think about how things are situated and how things are placed, it's kind of like ridiculous sometimes. Like, you know, the truth is always stranger than fiction because fiction has to be real, some sort, right? So like, sometimes shit just happens that you can't, explained as coincidence and as much as you try to dismiss things as coincidence like eventually it's going to hit you I always put it like this like say for example your life is you pushing a mining cart up a railroad track so it's a really really small incline and you have this mining cart and your whole life purpose is to get the mining cart to the top of the hill and you start pushing it and it's empty and it's easy and here you go and then you come up to one of these like anomalies or like this synchronicity if you want to call it and you're like oh this is weird like it must be just a coincidence so because that is a lazy term and it's a, something that you want to dismiss as a coincidence you don't want to define it you don't want to take the time to look into the situation and see if there's a, a bigger grandiose reason behind it you just dismiss it as a coincidence it's, it's a rock that you take out and you put in this is mining card right metaphorically speaking obviously and as you go along, you find more and more of these little rocks. Some of them you can explain, which is why you leave them, because you've explained them, so you know what they are. But the ones you dismiss as a coincidence, you have to put in the mining cart. Eventually, hopefully, before you finish your life, your cart gets so full of these rocks that you've dismissed as a coincidence that it gets too heavy to push, and it goes tumbling down the hill, crashes, and all the rocks come flying out. And here you are, sitting among your rocks that you've dismissed as coincidences, and you're looking at them and like, wow, shit, none of these were a coincidence. All of these had a reason, had a meaning for it. And because I didn't find out what they were, I didn't take the time to just discover it. It got too heavy for me to hold. And now I'm sitting here amongst all these things. So now you have to you know, pick up all these rocks again 
either put them back in the card if you're going to dismiss them continually as continue as a coincidence or you define them and then leave them on the ground eventually there's going to be something that happens that you literally cannot dismiss as a coincidence there's no possible way that there could be that much of a alignment of things that this is just happening to you that's happened to me several times and thank thankfully i've uh, since then dismissed the term altogether I do not believe in the word coincidence. I mean, the word is beautiful. I think it's a great word. But the term that we've lacked onto the word is bullshit. You know what I mean? It's lazy. It's, it's, just, a, it's, ah, it's just a coincidence. Like, no, it's not. Just Nothing is just a coincidence. It's, oh my God, that's a coincidence. That's a better reaction to that word. But still, you know what I mean? So sometimes in these like moments, like the raining moment, I think to myself, like the universe or whoever it is, God, aliens, fucking my dad, I don't know, <laughs> testing me to see how I would react in a situation like this. And I used to react like before I realized, before I took it as such a test, I used to react like in a, like everybody else would get angry and like, what the fuck, why is this happening to me, like always to me, blah, blah, blah. Now I just laugh. Because what's getting caught in the rain? Really? What's standing there getting wet? Who gives a shit? Well, you do when you're getting wet. You know, it's, it's one to be talking about it now. I'm safe and dry in my house, folding laundry. But <laughs> when I'm standing there soaked and I'm like, shit, it sucks, right? And it comes to, and that's happened to me a bunch of times before. I'm sure it's happened to everyone when you just get drenched in the rain and it fucking sucks. But there's a point of it. If you've ever gotten soaked enough, like if you've ever been in the rain long enough to get completely drenched, and so there's a point where you stop caring about it. First, it's like with women more than me because I don't have any hair. But with women, it's like, oh my, first it's like, oh my God, my hair. Oh my God, my makeup. Oh my God, my clothing. Oh my God, my phone, my bag. You know, with dudes, we can skip the first two. Well, most of us can skip the first two. And then it's just like, oh shit, my shirt, my pants, my underwear, my shoes, my bag. You know, everything's getting wet. But at a certain point where it's too drenched, you stop caring. Because there's nothing you can do about it. You're going to be soaked. You already are soaked. And you're going to keep going. So you stop caring. And if you're lucky enough to still have a little bit of on your journey left to walk in this bliss of not giving a shit about being soaked in the rain, it becomes an actually an enjoyable experience. Like you're walking through this rain knowing that there's nothing you can do about being soaked. And you kind of just accept it. And you just... It's cool. Now, if you've never done that, I don't suggest that you try it because you can get sick, you know, so don't. But if you ever are in the situation where you're going to be about to get soaked, if you can find shelter before that, that moment happens, then please do. But if you can't, just try to remember this and appreciate that moment of, like, not giving a fuck about the rain. At the end of the day, you're not made out of sugar. You're not going to melt. All right? <laughs> so that's one of those things that's, like, points in your life that could be a turning point, could be a realization point. And then one of those points that you can realize that there's two ways to live, like I always say, you know, everything is happening to me, or you can live as everything is happening for me. You know, so my car broke down, I gotta go take a walk to get a gas can in the snow. Ah, oh, fuck, now it's cold, it's snowy, and I'm walking. But then you see something along the way that you wouldn't have seen if you were driving, because you'd have driven by too fast. And you're like, oh, wow, I never noticed that before. And, blah, 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 blah. and boom, maybe you'll meet somebody that you've never met before. You wouldn't have met if your car didn't break down. So that's what I'm saying. Nothing is really a coincidence if you look into it. And for the most part, we're so quick to dismiss things as a coincidence that we don't even look a little bit into it. And that's all it takes for the most part. 
little synchronicities like that, all you have to do is just look an inch beyond, it's just a coincidence, and you'll find something beautiful, something amazing, something you've never ever would have seen had you not have had this experience that you thought was traumatic or bad. So in the restaurant industry, there's um, a certain list of rules, laws, if you will, unwritten rules that exist. And they only come into play when everyone is on board with it, right? So you can't have one guy playing by those unwritten rules and everyone else not because it's not going to work and it's not going to be fair to either everyone else or that one person. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean by like, everyone's got vices, you know? You know, Bobby, Bobby smokes a lot of pot. He does. He's got his little, he's got his little one hitters, you know? And Freddie's got his little pens. You know, Carlos has a freaking bong on the roof of the restaurant. Everyone smokes pot. It's not just Bobby. You don't know that. You've just seen Bobby with a one-hitter, so you were assuming that Bobby's the pothead. Meanwhile, everyone smokes weed because if you've ever worked in a restaurant industry, especially a busy restaurant, and if you don't have one of those vices, there's either something mentally wrong with you or you're like a Navy SEAL person. But all actually, I've actually worked with a literal Navy SEAL I've gotten out that he was, I've dragged, sucked, you know, I dragged it out of him that he was a Navy SEAL. I had to suck information out of him little by little, leech it, you know. And he couldn't handle it. Like, there was too much in him. He had to leave. He tried. I mean, he, he didn't have to leave because it was too much for him. He's a fucking Navy SEAL, believe me. He's been through worse. But he couldn't handle it in terms of, like, he couldn't keep up doing a good job because of how, how busy the restaurant was. And it wasn't even a crazy restaurant. It was like a regular like bistro burger joint on the water side. There's just a lot of people and he's never been, never seen that before, right? So everyone's got their vices to deal with this pressure and the stress of the restaurant industry because although I never say I'm stressed, I very, very rarely say I'm tired. I do get tired and I do get stressed, of course. And you have to have a way to deal with that. You know, I was talking to um, a young hostess. She was she was switching jobs because we weren't giving her enough hours and she wanted to get some more hours somewhere else. And uh, she was like, oh, you know, when I was hired here, you guys promised me all these hours and now I'm not getting it, so I'm going to join this new company that is promising me these hours. And one of the first things I said to her, and you're quite sure that they're going to give it to you. And she's like, no, I'm not, but at least i got to try. And I said, you're absolutely right. You should try. And I always do that with people. If, ever, if anyone wants to quit, like say, hey, listen, I'm quitting, I'm looking, I got another job that's got more money. The first thing I ask them is, do you need a reference? No matter how good they are or how shitty they are, and that's more importantly, how shitty they are, I always offer them a reference. Because one, I don't want to burn bridges with any employee because you don't know when you're going to see that employee in life. Not in work, but in life. You never know when you're going to be walking down the street and you're going to stumble and fall and your unicycle falls into a ravine and you're hanging off by one hand and the person that quit the job is going to be walking by. He's going to see you, no one else will, right? He's going to look at you, and he's going to think to himself, look at this fucking guy, piece of shit. I told him I was quitting because I wanted more money to feed my family. He told me to go fuck myself. Well, guess what? He's going to kick your fucking hand, and you're going to fall right into the ravine after your unicycle. But if the person looks at you and says, you know what? Somebody offered me another job. This guy couldn't give me the money. He's always been straight up with me, and he actually helped me out when he could. Let me pull this guy up and save his life. Maybe fuck his unicycle. Sure enough, your life is saved. So you never know. I always try to give him a reference. So I said, listen, you know, by all means, to the hostess, I was like, by all means, do what you got to do. But just remember, like, 
we're not doing this because we don't want to. We're not doing this because we want to say, hey, screw you. We don't care about your bills. So we're doing it because there literally isn't enough places for you to work. And you can't be a bus person and you can't be a server because you don't have enough knowledge yet. But that is what it is. So, you know, go ahead. Maybe, maybe don't burn the bridge. Come back if we need you. Yada, yada, yada. My guess is she'll be back because the new company's not going to give her too much more hours than we could because we're in the same city and we are definitely the one of the busiest restaurants in the city. So if we could do it, I don't think Danny Meyer is going to be able to, you know? So there's little rules and little laws that exist. Um, and every, like I said, everyone has to play by them for them to work effectively. For, for example, um, when you're a manager, you get paid salary. No matter how many hours you work, you get paid X. And if you work zero hours that week, you get paid X. And if you work 100 hours that week, you get paid X. Um, if the food costs and your numbers are good, you might get a little bit more money for a quote-unquote bonus. And if it's not, go fuck yourself and you can't do anything about it because you've agreed to you know, earn your salary. Meaning, if you're a scumbag and you're trying to get one over on everyone all the time, what you're going to do is you're going to work the least amount of hours you possibly can because no matter what, you're getting paid. And if you are adult, or you have something to make up for, or you want to kiss someone's ass, or you want to look better, whatever reason you have, you can work extra hours, and then you will get paid the same as the person that doesn't. Now, this is why communism doesn't work, or never works, or didn't work. <laughs> this is why uh, Thomas More Utopia, the book that was written by Thomas More, um, is only a book and it's a book of fiction because that would never work. Because in a perfect world, there's always going to be somebody, I mean, in, in a normal world, there's always going to be somebody hungover and not working as hard, and there's somebody sitting next to them that's going to be complaining about them. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just it's the way it is. And I understand human nature is human nature. Like, everyone's got their lives. So that's why I believe is when you work with a team that clicks with you and that meshes with you and understands these rules, that's the only way that this kind of stuff could work. And basically what I mean by that is like, when you can take it, you take it. When you realize that 99% of the time you won't be able to. And if everyone understands that about you and about the rules, then it works well. Meaning, if you, for instance, we were really busy for lunch on one of my days off um, two years ago. And I offered, I said, hey, listen, if you need me to, I could come in on my day off for lunch and I could help you guys help us get through this rush. And of course, no one's going to be like, yes, absolutely. Come on in because the people that I'm speaking with know that it's my day off. And if I say it, if they say it like that, yes, please come on in. We need you. Blah, 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 blah. We'll give you another day off. That's the only thing that should follow up with that. If they just say, come in, we need you. It should theoretically come with a promise of a making up of that time. But that's because that's how it's phrased, right? So if I say, I'm going to come in on my day off if you need me, you know, let me know. If the person responds, um, well, we are going to be really busy and I don't want you to kill yourself on your day off, but it would be awesome if you could. You see, that's a yes, please come in, but we're not necessarily going to give you the extra day somewhere else, blah, 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 blah. But that also comes with that hidden rule of if you can take it, take it but it's up to you as to when and it's your discretion and you actually obviously have to clear it with everyone else what does that mean that means like if down the line 
this is this happened two years ago right so let's say like two years ten months ago so two months from then down the line you happen to see a day that you have to work extra hours for whatever reason someone's on vacation someone's doing this you have to work six days and you're like oh shit but then you see that one of the days that you have to work you're a mid-shift meaning you you come in like 11 and then you leave at like 9 or 10 so you don't work you don't open and you don't close you kind of like support the middle and you know in a perfect world that works great but in an ideal world the mid if it didn't exist the opener and the closer would just have to eat that responsibility of the mid-shift which is not that much, especially on a slower day. If it's a busy day, yes, obviously balls to the wall, but if it's a slower day, it's not that much responsibility. You know, usually that, that mid person is, is it helps for lunch, then he does some other like extracurricular activities during the, during the middle, like cleaning up the stock room or whatever the fuck it is, and then finishes the dinner, starts him, well, gets him going, and then he goes home. So if you see that there's a Monday coming up, or a Tuesday coming up, or a Wednesday coming up, that's a slower shift and you're a mid, you could potentially take that day off because you did do them a favor. Yes, you offered. Yes, it was your idea. But you still came in and you still did it. And it was busy, so you helped out. So that credit is there. But this is where the unwritten rule comes in. If everyone else plays by the rules, they will understand that. They probably will kick and scream a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you show them point blank that, hey, it's not going to be busy. There's enough staff for you that you don't need the mid. Stop being a baby and let me take it when I can. That's going to be fine. They're going to be okay with that. Uh, obviously, if you clear with that, if you clear everybody with this and you say, okay, and by everybody, I mean the person that would be directly involved as the repercussions of you taking the day off. If you clear that with them, you're fine. Most people that I've worked with do not play by those rules. Most people try to take as much as they can, whenever they can. They take all the days off that they possibly can. Every single minute of every second of every day is counted. They count how many, how many minutes the other people have worked. They count what time. This guy, I, we have a guy in the restaurant now. He's a fucking manager. He watches the cameras to see what time the other managers left. Because no one clocks out, obviously. Because why would we clock out? We get paid no matter what. So we're going to look like we were all working 150 fucking hours a week. You know what I mean? Nobody ever clocks out. We all clock in right when we come in, but we none, of, none of us clock out. I get it. Corporate understands that. Everyone knows. Nobody works 150 hours a week. It's fine. Right? Because <laughs> if corporate made us clock in and clock out at the times that we were supposed to, things would come up to the service that are really, really been suppressed. And all corporate has to do is send an email that says everyone punches in and punches out, period. Whether you're a manager or not, everyone punches in and everyone punches out. So we know exactly how many hours you spend in the building. Boom, problem solved. All the slackers are now going to have to be there until their scheduled shifts. And all the people that are usually there later are going to get now credited for it because corporate will see. That's all they have to do. But nobody's going to do that because no one's going to fire those fire that bullet yet. Except maybe the guy that watches the videos of, oh, this so-and-so left at 8.13 p.m. He was scheduled till 10. How dare he? Little do they know that so-and-so came in three hours earlier that day because he had to do paperwork for... See, people usually just see the things that, that hurt their feelings more. They don't really see what happens behind the scenes. 
Right, so I always take a lot of Sharpies. I take a bunch of Sharpies from work because I'm a fucking klepto. I'm sorry. I'm not going to run my own pockets before I leave work every day. No, I'll run them before I throw my pants in the laundromat. I'm in the laundry because I've also had a sharper open on the dryer, in the dryer. And then my white shirts look like I was a fucking Dalmatian because the Sharpie is bouncing around with the... Yeah, yeah, I know. It's happened. It's happened to you too if you work in the restaurant industry. Don't pretend like you didn't unless your mom does your laundry, in which case, grow up, you fucking little baby. So... I have a bunch of sharpies, and then the person who's at Pam, who's at um, who's at work, who she's the um, she's like the financial guru of the computer world thing. She's like all that stuff. <laughs> all percentages go to Pam. So she's obviously in charge of the sharpies, and she's very very OCD in terms of that. Like she has she likes stuff where it is. She likes all the cabinets closed. She likes the sharpies facing north. She likes the pencils facing east. It's got to smell like potpourri in the office, and if Dimitri puts in another noisemaker, I'm going to fucking kill him. <laughs> so, and I love her for it. She's awesome. I think she's great. I have nothing against her except for the fact that I leave cabinets open, and my markers are facing south, and my pencils are not even there. I don't, I don't use pencils. Who needs them? So she's always yelling at me for taking Sharpies, because every day I take more Sharpies, you know, I bring them home, I take more Sharpies, I bring them home. So the other day, I, I took all the Sharpies that I had, it was probably like 14 of them shits. <laughs> and I brought them into the restaurant and I you know, put a rubber band around it and I said, Dearest, you know, Pam, this is from Woodcock, who's my name, because of course there was another issue with my password. I forgot my password and she's like, What's your favorite color? And I said, Prussian blue. That's my favorite color, Prussian blue. It's a color, it's great, I love it. She's like, What the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you pick Prussian blue? And she spelled it wrong because she wrote Prussia. She, wrote, she didn't write the N. So obviously she had to redo the password. So now my password is, uh, <laughs> is Metal Dick. 999, you know? So, what are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I brought in all the markers and I said, here, this is my contribution. I'm sorry for taking all these markers, you know, sign, you know, forever yours, metal dick. Because things like that, because it's 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 un- unwritten rule that if you're gonna take all the sharpies from work, be it, don't be a douchebag, just bring them back. You know, if if only if 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 anything, you can use them again, but just at least show that you're trying to uphold the standards of a restaurant industry. You know, if you see one of your best cooks or one of your best employees in the restaurant walking into the employee bathroom before his shift with a black bag, which seems to be 240 ounces of Modelo in that black bag, because you know what the Modelo caps look like, because you used to drink Modelos all the time. And he looks at you like, hey, what's up, man? And he kind of gives you that awkward hello, which is what prompts you to look into his bag because why would you say hello to me like that? (laughs) I didn't catch you naked, did I? Oh, maybe I did. And you understand that this person drinks. This person drinks during work. He has to. Either that or he pounds 240 ounces before he fucking starts to shift, which is what tacos used to do. And that's not that because a person of that stature, if he drinks 240 ounces, he'd be sloshed. There's no way he could read medium rare on a ticket. No, that's no shot. So you understand, you learn this little tidbit about this person. You've never thought that it was the case before. You'd never figured that he would be a person to drink on the job. Oh, my God. My guy, it's the restaurant industry. If you haven't had sex in a walk-in, what are you doing there? Why are you working there? What's wrong with you? You know what I mean? I got caught smoking pot in culinary school. Before I even started working at the restaurant, I got caught smoking pot made me write an essay about it i did i passed top of my class yolo you know what i mean (laughs) but like it's the restaurant industry that's the point this whole industry is built on you know derelicts deviants and delinquents 
we made this industry what it is today because nobody else, no, nobody else in the industry, in any other industry would accept us. So we just went and formed our own. Fuck it. There's a book called Sex, Chefs, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. And it's exactly about that. It's about how a bunch of derelicts and deviants created a multi-billion dollar industry or trillion dollar industry that thrives today. So little tidbits that you learn about people that you could not necessarily use against them but it'll help you understand them more. So now I understand why sometimes at the end of the night, this particular employee gets a little confused with the simplest shit. Well, it's because it's probably the end of his tour and the end of his 240s and he's kind of feeling a little loopy. Now he's the best, one of the best goddamn employees we have. So what do I do? I sit him down and I tell him he's got to go to therapy. He's got to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. He's got to stop drinking. He's got to do all this and fucking ruin one his escape at work because I'm sure he drinks at work not because he wants to get drunk at work but because he can't drink anywhere else maybe his wife yells at him maybe his friends yell at him whatever the fuck it is he doesn't drink too much to where it's like shows because I didn't know this whole time had no idea why he was getting a little bit confused sometimes that's literally exactly what it is and now I know so now knowing that, I could either one, like I said, use it against him, which if I was a douchebag, I would do it. I would never do that because, like I said, he's one of the best employees we have. Or I could know that and use it and help him with it. So if he gets a little confused, help him out. Unconfuse him. If you know why he's confused, it's not because he can't read or the server fucked up. It's because he's a little loopy. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> one, of my fucking, one of my second days back... This time around, in this restaurant that I never worked at, that doesn't exist because it's all a figment of our imagination, I went, I uh, went, and I, uh, one of the guys uh, offered me a little welcoming back present. It was a bong hit, and I haven't had a bong hit in a long time. I don't really, you know, do the bong thing. I do, I do like my little pens. And little, you know, I got my vices too. Don't get me wrong. So I said, hey, fuck it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? It was a Monday night. You know, I was supposed to be. Uh, I was the mid, so I was like not on my way out, but I was close to be the end of my shift. So fucking I went downstairs and I hit the bong. Little did I know that this guy put the weed from the moon in it or some shit because when I took the bong hit, I didn't know where the fuck I was. It took me like 15 minutes to come back upstairs and it was only two flights of stairs. Actually, there was no stairs at all. It was fucking an elevator and an escalator. It took me 15 minutes to do that. I come up and I'm supposed to expedite. Expedite is arranging all these tickets, like, you know, all the tickets that are coming out with the food on it to the tables. And the person who gave me the bong hit was another one of our, one of the managers. So he was... Um, cooking on the line he was like helping the guys with, with whatever because he got a little busy and I don't know what the fuck I was doing I don't know who I was at the time you could have asked me my name I would have told you it was Rumpelstiltskin and laughed like I was holding these tickets in my hand like what you know and then so sure enough the guy saw it saw this happening he came over and he's like are you okay and I just looked at him like I don't know who I am what is this what are we doing here am i a surgeon like he's like oh my god <laughs> he's like give me this shit and he got upset he realized what happened he realized that i haven't taken a bong hit in a long time but he's the one that gave it to me so what the fuck it's it's his you know it's my responsibility because i'm a grown-ass man but it's also he's the one that caused it so he's like fuck man i shouldn't have done that he's like no more bong hits for this guy ever Rah. he got all mad he kicked me out he said go home <laughs> and nothing bad way he said go home so i could fix this it took him like 10 minutes to fix the problem because i just had shit everywhere i had no other fucking sure dude i don't know what I was doing you know did he go and blow this up to everybody tell everyone that this happened is uh, fucking Dimitri is so stupid no someone did because the next day everybody knew about it and everybody was laughing at me for it but that person was me I was the one that told everyone that happened 
I told everybody that, you know, that, that uh, so-and-so gave me a bong hit. And I was like, oh, fucking shit. I was on Mars. I was expediting on Mars yesterday, you know? So what I'm trying to say is with all of this is at the end of the day, these rules, these hidden rules or these little secrets that you find out about people aren't there for you to be a, as a coincidence. When you find out these secrets or these little instances that happen to you in the restaurant industry, they are for you to use as tools to make yours and everyone else's life easier. And by no means are they should be used to make anyone's life harder. Because if you do it that way, then you're a douchebag and you should never be alive, not even working in the restaurant industry. And more often times than not, you will find that the most badass people, that the ones that really are fucking just dope, you know, are the ones that don't look like it. So like the guy that was, the, the guy I was talking about, about the employee, the, one of the best employees that, you know, sometimes takes a couple of drinks. Let him. He makes him better. Because if he didn't, he'd be bitter, he'd be angry, and he'd be sober. Fuck you. And the next time if you made a mistake, even though it was forgetting a ketchup ramekin on a plate, he would fucking light you up for it, and it would be your fault. Because you're an idiot. Because you let it let slide. Because if you let it slide, and you gave him a wink at that particular moment where you fucked up, and he was ready to rip your new one, you look at him and you say, Modelo. He would shut his mouth, put the ramekin on the plate for you, and keep it moving. That's how it works. So the other day, we, were, we needed some fillets butchered because there wasn't enough fillets. And I had this person who was a hostess at the restaurant. She told me that she worked in a butcher shop. And I was like, what do you mean? You worked in a butcher? Did you wash the windows there? Like, what do you mean? She goes, no, I'm a butcher. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Now, this girl is like, I don't, I'm going to say like early 20s, maybe mid 20s. And she does not look like a... To me, if you told me that a girl works at a butcher shop, I would picture like a linebacker German, you know, you know, like this girl is not like that. She's more like a, I don't know, she's like a Cinderella. You know what I mean? If she works in a butcher shop, I guess that would be like a Cinderella. So she, she's, she's attractive, she's funny, and she's cool. But you would never think that she would know how to work in a butcher shop. And the hostesses, what they do is they wear these like nightgowns, like these dresses. You know, like these, like, like, like cocktail dresses and, uh, to, you know, to seat people. So we needed fillets and I asked one of the guys to do it. Carlos was about to butcher some fillets and he had two tenderloins out. And then sure enough, she was walking by and I said, Cinderella, I was like, can you, can you be fair? We need some fillets. Can you butcher some fillets? And I told her that I didn't believe her that she was a butcher and she wanted to, I guess, prove to me that she was and she did work in a butcher shop. So sure enough, she's like, yeah, Absolutely. You got this. And she grabbed gloves and she's like, where is it? And I was like, right here. And all the guys are like, what is this guy doing? All the people on the line. He's like, Carlos is about to cut these fillets. He's asking a hostess to cut fillets. Get the fuck out of here. You're out of your mind. You take another bong hit or something? And I was like, no, 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 no. Just, just hear me out here. I bet you guys that this, that this woman right here could cut the shit out of that fillet. No problem. And they're like, fuck off. She puts on the gloves. She takes the knife in her hand, and as soon as she makes the first incision, everyone's jaw drops on the floor because she starts cleaning this fucking tenderloin. They're like, holy shit, the girl butchers. So here she is, this attractive girl in this cocktail, cocktail uh, dress, and she's cutting filet mignon. And she had, we had black gloves on, so the, the cocktail dress was black. So it really looks, it's a good fucking video I have. It's like a 12-second clip I have of her doing it. I'll, actually make, I'll make that the picture of this episode. And she does it. She bangs it out, does a good job. She cuts it. She cuts the eight ounces. Boom, 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 done, finished. 
And then they're like, cut more. I got ribeyes too. And she's like, yeah, I'll cut some ribeyes. At that point, I had to stop them because it's not part of her job description. It's literally illegal to make somebody do that. So like if there was a a hostess or a host to say it was a guy host and I needed help with a 50 pound bag of flour and I gave it to the guy host to carry up the stairs and he broke his back right for instance that would be illegal and that would be, he could sue a restaurant because that's not part of his job description nowhere in his job description does it say that he has to lift a 50 pound bag of flour if he volunteers to do it and he does it he could still sue but it would be more of you know less likely that he would win that's why I told her, I was like, no, no, we can't, we literally, it's illegal for them to pick up knives and cut meat because they're hostesses. There's nowhere, they shouldn't be anywhere near it, you know? It's just a particular circumstance, which is what I'm saying. Like, the most badass people, you would never know. You would never think that this person or that person could be like this. But this is why you play by these rules. This is why you hold those little secrets and those little instances for yourself. And if somebody else knows this little instance, they could share it with you and you could say, yes, we know about it too. But the ones that know how to play the game and the ones that play by the rules, that's the only time that it works in a team or in a restaurant. Because even if there's one person that doesn't, like a person that always leaves a mess in the office, there's a slob, there's fucking open bottles of water everywhere, there's pretzel crumbs, we're going to change the locks and you're not going to get the fucking key. And if you need a key, you're going to have to come get one of us, like a parent, we have to let you in, make sure you don't fucking leave a mess, and then we'll unlock the door again because you're a dick. Don't do it. Just stop being a dick. You know? And uh, yeah, welcome Cinderella to the podcast. Rightfully earned. Awesome. Thank you.